Now it's time for Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf, the number one relationship advice radio show in the U.S. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ask Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf, and it's my pleasure to be with you again this week. So today we're talking about why you must beware of hospitals. My guest, Scott Shara says hospitals are the new killing fields. His daughter, Grace, was murdered on October 13th, 2021, after he took her to a hospital with low oxygen saturation due to COVID. After she was killed, he has invested over 1,000 hours in research and has become a full-time advocate in what he calls the hospital killing lane. Shara believes that hospitals have become an arm of the government to implement an agenda to reduce the population. Financial incentives, immunity from liability, and the shroud of secrecy, including not allowing family members in the room, have created the perfect environment to implement an agenda that has been worked on for decades. So without further ado, welcome, Scott. I'm glad to have you on the show. I'm glad to be here, Jamie. Thanks for the very complete introduction. You're welcome. So would you like to start by telling us a bit more about what happened to your daughter, Grace? Sure. I'll do a short version of her story, and then that will get us on a number of rabbit trails, I'm sure. So just a little bit about Grace first. She was 19 when she was taken out and Grace had Down syndrome. And I believe that was a significant factor uh, in her case. And we can drill that down a bit as we we get going. Grace was very high functioning for somebody with Down syndrome, uh, but where she was off the charts was with love. She just oh. loved, she loved unconditionally the way God intended. And, and she was, she was an absolute gift. We named her after God's grace. And, you know, I miss, um, I miss her more than I've ever missed anybody. And, you know, she also, um, she was a funny kid. Uh, she, she got literal humor, which happens to be the kind that I like the best. So, yeah, I can take responsibility for that. I'll just give you a simple example. So everybody's seen the, the crosswalk with the stick figure and the bike. So when Grace saw that, you know, so of course that means people and bikes can use that crosswalk. So Grace sees this for the first time and, and she sees it through the eyes of humor. And she says, dad, look at that sign. I said, yeah, what What about it? She says, it says, watch out for falling bikes. So <laughs> she, she, uh, she, uh, she just had a way about her. Um, a very fresh, a fresh way of looking at the world. Yes, it was, it was wonderful. So yeah. anyway, just, I'm going to dive into Grace's last day on earth, which was October 13th of 2021, just over a year ago. And that will get us into a number of different things to talk about. So that day started at eight o'clock in the morning. The doctor called my wife and I at home, uh, following up on a conversation that he had with us the night before. My daughter, Jessica, was in the room with Grace at this time. Uh, I had been in the room from October 6th until the 10th, at which time I was taken out by an armed guard. And we had to hire an attorney to get Jessica in as a replacement advocate. And so we had 44 hours without advocacy. Uh, My wife couldn't do it at the time because she had COVID. So Grace had a right to an advocate because of having Down syndrome under the Americans with Disabilities Act. So we should have never had to hire 
hire an attorney, but regardless, we did. And during that 44 hours that we didn't have an advocate, they increased the sedation med called Presidex seven different times. So they chose to sedate Grace instead of taking care of her. And this drug was started on October 9th. I was taken out, remember, on October 10th. And, you know, so this is unbeknownst to us. They they put her on a sedation drug. And this drug has a package insert, which are the rules that the hospital is supposed to follow that says to not use that drug for more than 24 hours or it causes acute respiratory failure. And she was on it four full days before her last day. And in fact, on her death certificate, they list the first cause of death as acute respiratory failure, which they directly cause by violating the package insert. They received a $7,500 bonus for listing that as the first cause of death. They listed the second cause of death as COVID-19 pneumonia, which couldn't be further from the truth as you listen to how she died. And for listing that as the second cause of death, the hospital received a $13,000 bonus from the government. So my wife rightly called it. She said, Grace was worth more dead than alive. And in fact, that day that she died, I believe we signed her death certificate on the phone with the doctor that morning. So everything I'm going to tell you from this point going forward is right out of the records and our own contemporaneous notes. But my hypothesis is that we signed her death certificate that morning by rejecting what he asked us for. So we get into the phone call. It's eight o'clock. By rejecting what he asked of us. What is the he and what did he ask? So the doctor who was the hospitalist in charge, he asked us for a pre-authorization to put Grace on a ventilator. Right. And this was the fifth request. So he had talked with us the evening before, said he'd follow up with us the next morning for a decision. We already knew we weren't going to do this. And anybody listening that doesn't hasn't connected the dots yet, um, I was under the ventilator paradigm that was essentially sold to us by President Trump when he said, we don't have enough ventilators. This was at the beginning of COVID. So I thought they were okay. It's just a tool in the toolbox. And I researched ventilators while I was in the hospital with Grace because they were pushing it. And right. I found out that they have a 90% kill rate. That's right. And According to an NPR.org re- report. It, and I mean, that's a, a mainstream media report. Right. This isn't just a dad making it up. I mean, this is right. real This is real stuff. And the research that I found after Grace died is so then I could connect the dots as to why are they pushing this when it has a 90% kill rate? What's, right. what's, what's the reason they're pushing it? I believe they're pushing it because of the population reduction agenda, but what they're doing to, to get the hospitals to buy into it is the, the ventilator, once a patient or their family decides to put the patient on the ventilator, it's about a $300,000 payday. So when we rejected that ventilator for the fifth time, I think they had in motion, I think they suspected we would reject it because we had rejected it four more times prior. So if we would have said yes, Grace would not have died on the 13th of October. She would have died a couple of weeks later because that's what of they the need ventilator. to do. No, she would have died of a ventilator instead of taking her out the way they did. So we rejected- but they literally- removed you from the room under armed guard because you were interfering with the plan, which is get her on the ventilator 
and get the payday. And by the way, I did research myself about this, and I read in a New York USA Today research um, an article from Michelle Rogers. Hospitals get pay more, paid more if patients are listed as who, who patients listed as suffering from COVID are put on ventilators. So you're saying they get three hundred thousand dollars more. It, it's huge. I mean, it's a temptation that um, I, only the most godly of people could resist that temptation because not only is it a temptation with money, but when they follow these protocols that kill people, they have immunity from liability. And on top of the immunity from liability, we're in the point one we're in the one-tenth of one percent of the people that were in the room. There's a shroud of secrecy. Most most family members are not in the room when their loved one dies. They have no idea what this hospital did or what's behind it. They have no concept. That's why I'm out screaming this from the rooftops to yeah. wake people up to see this is happening. And yeah. even today, there's a thousand people a day being murdered in U.S. hospitals that are that go in with a COVID diagnosis. Just on October 13th, which was the anniversary of Grace's death, the public health emergency was extended for another 90 days. And the, that extension extends the PREP Act, which gives them immunity from liability and extends the bonus payments for implementing these protocols that literally kill people. I mean, it's insanity. You can't make that up. Yeah. So. Anyway, we get, so now we're on this phone call with the doctor. This is great, by the way, Jamie, you should just interrupt anytime because I like that style instead of waiting for the question. So it's, I've told this story so many times that I, I won't get off track. So it's, it's a great way to interview. Okay. Anyway, the, um, so now we're done. We're, we give him the, the no on the pre-authorization for the ventilator. And he immediately switches gears and says, Grace had such a good day yesterday, which we knew because Jessica was in the room with, with her and monitored her oxygen all night long, which was, it was at 98, 99%. And so he says, she had such a good day yesterday. We should, we should start working on nutrition. Which we at, you know, at this point, you, you know, obviously we didn't know they had an agenda, you know, so we're trusting the white coat, trusting the lab coat. So he recommends this and we say, okay, you know, it's, he, it was, it was also couched that in the idea that Grace had such a good day, we should get her out of bed today. Let's get her in a chair. You know, we got to get her organs going so that we can get her out of here in a couple of days. So we think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, in hindsight, I see, you know, they didn't, they didn't allow me to feed her. Of course, Grace could feed herself, but not with a BiPAP mask on. They wouldn't allow Jessica to feed her. And all they did was sedate her and give her a couple of protein shakes when they were in charge. So now it, it gets, so that now we're, we approve this and that will fit into this timeline of her last day here in a moment. So Jessica now, about the time we're done with this phone call with the doctor, says to the nurse in charge of Grace's care, which happened to have 14 years of ICU experience on top of her regular nursing experience. So this was not a rookie. That's important when we get to the meds that they use. So Jessica said to the nurse that she's going to take a shower. And the nurse says, you cannot take a shower in the room. And Jessica says, well, why not? You let my dad take a shower in the room when he was here. And she said, I don't care what we did for your dad. You can't take a shower here. And so Jessica, being at least a little bit 
timid because I was just taken out three days earlier, asks Grace, Grace, is it okay if I take a shower? I'll go home and take a shower. We'll be back inside of an hour. And Grace was prone at that time, which means laying on her stomach. And Grace, uh, you know, uh, shakes her head yes. And they give each other a hug. And so Jessica goes, she's back inside of an hour while she's gowning up in the hallway. The hospitalist in charge of Grace's care, another doctor and this nurse are talking and Jessica overhears them saying the family's not going to like this. Now, just keep in mind, this was just an hour, literally an hour and a half earlier, Grace was having such a good day. So what they did was while Jessica was gone, they strapped Grace down to the bed and made her go to the bathroom in the bed. Remember, the doctor was just talking about getting her up out of a chair. So when I had looked at the doctor's reports, then that that sent a signal up to me to say, dig through these reports and see what the bias is towards Down syndrome. And I found out in the 22 doctor's reports that were written for the seven days Grace was in the hospital that they referenced that she had Down syndrome 36 different times. That doesn't make any sense. That's like saying they reference me having gray hair 36 different times. It doesn't change the care at all. By the way, when you hear this story, I don't want you to get the perspective that this is just applying to the disabled or Down syndrome. You know, we'll, I'm going to expand it so people get a grip as to what is going on, because this isn't just the disabled and the elderly they're taking out. Anyway, the so they use that as an excuse to increase this Presidex dose to now 14 times the dosage that they started on four and a half days earlier. So now Grace is really getting out of it. They must have thought that that was going to be enough to take her out because this is the most egregious piece of this. At 1056, so at 1048, 14 times dose of Presidex from four and a half days earlier, Eight minutes later at 10.56, the doctor put an illegal do not resuscitate order on Grace. Now we keep walking through the timeline. We found out, by the way, about that do not resuscitate order. We knew it that night, but we didn't realize what's going on. And you'll see why we knew it that night in a minute. But when we started doing the, the legal work on this, we going through what I thought were all the records, we didn't have them all. So we made another request. There was a thousand pages of records missing. That's where we found that the doctor put the DNR order on her when we did a second records request to get the thousand pages that they didn't give us with the first request. So now at 1125, they give her a dose of lorazepam. Remember, Grace is almost knocked out at this point. Lorazepam is an anti-anxiety med. That doesn't make any sense. At 11.37, they put the feeding tube in now. Two hours and 22 minutes later, at 1.59 in the afternoon, Grace is literally knocked out from these meds. That's when they start feeding her. At 5.46, they gave her another dose of lorazepam. At 5.49, another dose. And at 6.15, they gave her morphine as an IV push. So in 29 minutes, she has Presidex, lorazepam, and morphine. And this became, when I, when I saw what I'm going to tell you next, this is when I concluded she was murdered. This was when I had about 500 hours of research in. Those meds in 29 minutes would have taken you and I out. What for that to happen, those meds are contraindicated. The morphine package insert says to not combine those. And if you do, you're supposed to have the reversal drug bedside and monitor the patient. They did none of that. 
after the morphine was given, no doctor or nurse set foot in that room. But there was no protocol to be giving the drugs in the first place. Morphine would be given for extreme pain. The other drug would have been given for extreme agitation. Neither of those conditions existed. Well, that's correct. The The protocol would be, in fact, to not do that. And so in order for them to do this, not only did the doctor have to order the, the meds, the pharmacist at the hospital, who of course knows better, had to sign off on that order. And the alarm system for the hospital had to be overridden because those meds are contraindicated. And the 14-year ICU nurse had to give them. That is why I can was convinced Grace was murdered, because that sequence of event, events was not medical malpractice. Oh. Medical malpractice has an incidence of negligence in it, that it's an accident. This can't be an accident when you have that happen. And the next thing, so now 6.15 in the evening, remember just 10 hours earlier, Grace had such a good day. Now we're 10 hours later and they gave her morphine. Well, now she starts getting cold. Jessica's feeling her. Jessica never left her side. She feels her get cold. She's Asked the 14-year ICU nurse, can you come in and take a temperature? She said, no, that's normal. Just cover her with a blanket. Jessica called Cindy and I now on a FaceTime call at 7.20. She said, Dad, Grace's numbers are dropping like crazy. I said, get the nurses in. She said, I've been trying. They will not come in. So Cindy and I start screaming. Jessica suggests there's about 30 nurses or more in the hallway because of shift change. We start screaming, save our daughter. And they holler back, she's DNR. That's when we learned she's DNR. And we said, she's not DNR, save our daughter. We watched her die seven minutes later at oh, 727. God. And to make matters worse, so later on that night after things settled out, Jessica told us there was an armed guard posted outside the room to prevent any nurse from coming in to save Grace. What? It's so insane. It's like a George Orwell, Brave New World story. I, 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 it's inconceivable. People, I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted hearing this story. I'm outraged. An armed guard. And again, you were removed by an armed guard for no reason anyway. And now we've got an, an armed guard there so that nobody can come in and save her. Wow. It's it's well, you know, it gets into some fairly nefarious things when you start drilling it down. Because once once I realized Grace was murdered, well, then it leads to well, was this genocide? And I started researching the Holocaust in June, and that really opened up my mind as to what's going on. Because what's happening today is paralleling the the holocaust literally blow by blow and we're just at the beginning things are going to get substantially worse and what i what i can share with that will open people's minds up that this is not an anomaly i don't want anybody to take away from this that this was was uh, a one of uh, we have um, because grace's story has gone international many people are reaching out to us and one that's even worse than grace's they used what's called death row meds so i mean you can't make this up either so this this girl was 37 and had down syndrome they put an illegal dnr on her she's in connecticut but instead of using end of life meds those meds that i mentioned with grace are used like in the last day of hospice care 
that's what they use to end somebody's life when it's their last day in hospice. So I'm calling those end of life meds. Well, death row meds, what they use for death row is fentanyl, midazolam, and verconium um, uh, bromide. So this girl got those three meds, so illegal DNR and the death row meds. And when you drill down the death row meds, it really gets bad. On April 6th of 2020. Hold that point about yes. the death row meds. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Hold the point. Are you a business looking to expand across the USA? Ask Dr. Love reaches millions of terrestrial radio listeners, offering you a unique opportunity to reach out to almost every adult listening group as everyone is concerned about their relationships. There is no other relationship advice show broadcast anywhere else in the USA. By advertising on Ask Dr. Love, your company can reach an audience that no other show touches. Visit AskDrLove.com and fill out the contact form to get in on this tremendous opportunity. Fill out the contact form at AskDrLove.com right now and get all the details. Will it be your company that gets to take advantage and grow your business? If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 877-941-4731. That's 877-941-4731. Again, 877-941-4731. Imagine, this is your money, and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. Guess what? They want your money, and they can take it, all of it if they want. So what do you do? You fight back by letting our team of experts work it out with the IRS so you can keep your money. Call right now and learn for free how we can help you put it back in your pocket. Five minutes of your time can save you thousands of dollars. So please call right now. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If your heart is still hurting over the bodily loss of your loved one, the reason is simple. We're not meant to be separated from those we love, and reconnecting is the only way to end the grief. But reconnecting and staying connected requires guidance. As a gift to her listeners, Dr. Turndorf is offering a limited number of discounted grief relief sessions to help you reestablish a relationship with loved ones in spirit and resolve any unfinished issues. If you're ready to experience the healing and joy of reconnecting, visit drjamieturndorf.com slash griefrelief to schedule your session. But don't wait. Space is limited. Visit drjamieturndorf.com slash griefrelief to find out more. And now, back to Dr. Turndorf. 
Welcome back to Ask Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf talking with Scott Shara about the murder of his daughter. And right before we took the break, you were describing a case of a woman in Connecticut who was given uh, the drugs that they use to terminate someone in prison. Correct. So on April 14th of 2020, this was a month after the pandemic was announced, the media reported this. And I'll just read right from the clip. Uh, it said that doctors from across the nation have written an open letter to all states that allow the death penalty, asking them to donate certain lethal injection drugs. These drugs are used to carry out the death penalty, such as fentanyl, midazolam, and verconium bromide. Well, that letter was written April 6th. That, that report was April 14th. That letter was written April 6th. And I'll just read an excerpt from that letter it says, Dear State Correctional Facility Directors, as pharmacists, public health experts, and frontline ICU doctors serving patients at the bedside, we write to inform you that many of the medicines your states currently are currently holding for use in lethal injection executions are in short supply and desperately needed to treat patients suffering from COVID-19. You can't make that up. Where did, and you, this is, where did you see that uh, that excerpt that you just read? This was I, when I was doing research on Grace's case, this lady who lost her Down syndrome daughter reached out to us. And so I had her send me the records to show those drugs. And then she had found that letter. And then I drilled it down and researched it further. This is what I've been doing full time. I'm, as you said in the intro, I'm a full time advocate. So when I hear this stuff, I don't believe it. I have to. I have to find the documentation. And what I read to you was literally right, right out of what I found. So we know that hospitals make money. Like you said, if someone's on a ventilator and then leaves his or her body, they get $300,000 bonuses. But I think you're uh, implying that there's more than just these financial benefits that are motivating hospitals and prisons to terminate people. It's beyond just monetary incentive. Well, I am implying that because what is the reason? So if, again, I'll just focus on some statistics before, because otherwise, you know, if you don't, if you don't back this up, people think that you've, you've uh, went off the rails, but I haven't gone off the rails. I'm as sharp as I've ever been. I'm analytical, um, but I have become awake through all of this. I, you know, legally I'm a CPA. I like to, you know, find out what the, what the truth is. Anyway, the, um, the, the statistics should be mind-blowing to people when they hear it. And so relative to the disabled and the elderly, which happens to be the number one and number two causes of death with COVID in the United States, which doesn't make any sense. Those are not comorbidities. Uh, disabled women, for example, have an 11 times higher rate of death than non-disabled women with COVID. Again, doesn't make any sense because a disability, Grace had Down syndrome. That's not a comorbidity. There's no reason Down syndrome isn't a higher risk. But what's going on is that the people who are disabled are on Medicaid. The people who are elderly are on Medicare. Those two population groups account for 39% of our annual federal budget, $2.2 trillion of the $5.6 trillion. So that starts giving you a perspective. Okay, well, those two population groups 
would be the first to go. And they have convinced our medical system that we have to allocate care. We don't have enough to go around. And so what's the, these, these people are the useless eaters of our society. This is parallel to Nazi Germany. Same thing happened. So now when you start going through the numbers for the United States, the United States has 4.3% of the world's population. We're the only country, we're number one in the world in one statistic, which is the worst one, number of deaths with COVID. We have 1.1 million deaths in the hospital related to COVID. These are all hospital deaths, 1.1 million, and we're still adding a thousand a day to that number. So how can we be number one? And number two, I'm gonna answer that question how in a minute. Number two is India. India has less than half of the deaths of the United States. Their population is four times that of the United States and their footprint on the planet, remember the idea of social distancing? Their, their land mass is only one third that of the United States. So they have 1.4 plus billion people in a country one-third of that of the United States, but their death toll is less than half. So what's the reason? The United States is requiring the doctors to follow the NIH protocol. And the NIH protocol, the two primary tools in the tool chest are remdesivir and ventilators. We already said ventilators have a 90% kill rate. Remdesivir has a 75% kill rate with three doses and more. And the, the dosage recommendation from the NIH to get the bonus is five doses. So India, of course, is not using that protocol. That's why their death rate is so much lower. So we are on purpose using a protocol known to kill people. So just think through, Jamie, if you're the doctor, now we've got 33 months of COVID in, you could give these doctors a pass for the first 30 days, right? Because they're just following what they're told. This is an emergency or a person, you know, we were all told and we all bought into that this is an emergency. So they're just doing everything to save people's lives. But after 30 days, now you you start, you know, mentally, you start processing, okay, well, all these people are dying. There must be these protocols. Shouldn't we do something else? Right? I mean, you would just think with just base level common sense and an IQ above 60, you would connect the dots. Every person I touch is dying. So is there something else? Should we try something else? Just try something else. So let's say people, right? healthcare providers who are sworn to do no harm are here working as the long arm of this agenda to lower the population, lower uh, the people who are draining the federal coffers, the Medicare and the Medicaid reserves, which we don't have enough of. So how do you get doctors and nurses whose agenda it is to do no harm? How do you get them to be assassins for this larger agenda to lower the world population, especially get rid of the hanger honors? That's a fantastic question. Well, one is you use propaganda. So, I mean, you have to create a fake emergency, but then you have to set this propaganda up with decades of training. So they're already trained to, add, they believe that we need to allocate care. I mean, that became full-fledged under Obamacare. So they're all trained this way. They've been trained since the beginning of the uh, 1900s to use meds. So now meds become the standard of care versus natural ways to treat people. 
So now they're already indoctrinated with that, but I'm going to give you um, three specific indoctrinations that have been happening for decades to show how to set this up. So the disabled. So Grace was disabled with Down syndrome. In the United States today, 67% of Down syndrome children are murdered before they're born. So that is the standard of care. When the young couple gets pregnant, they go in and see the doctor in the white coat, and he says, let's schedule your amniocentesis. They say, fine. They're just following the, the rules, right? And so then that amniocentesis comes back with Down syndrome as a disability or something else, and the doctor recommends an abortion. So that becomes the standard of care. So that now just leave that alone. Now we'll take the elderly. So I'm in the last generation where the children took care of the parents. Now, if mom misses the mail one day, the kids send her to a nursing home or a dementia center, right? So this has become the standard of care. Then take the public fool system. I own a business. When I hire young people, they cannot critically think anymore. When I graduated from high school, every man in my class could have ran a family. Now, none of them can. And so now you get them as employees, they cannot think because that is not trained. What, you know, we used to laugh when we heard, you know, people get graduate from kindergarten and they get a trophy. Well, now we're seeing the fruit of that. So when these kids in school are constantly reminded of their assignments, they never have to take personal responsibility. They never have a consequence for a late assignment. The teacher's constantly reminding them and they they never get told the truth about their performance. So now they so now just take those three and you can start overlaying this on a lot of things. It's called the banality of evil. Hannah Arendt coined that phrase. Banality means common. She coined that phrase when she was trying to wrap her head around Nazi Germany and studying the Adolf Eichmann trial. It's it's evil is so common we don't even recognize it. We don't recognize that critical thinking got trained out of our society. We don't recognize that elderly are just thrown by the wayside. We don't recognize that most disabled people are already aborted. So now think through those disabled and elderly get into the hospital, and there there is a complete bias towards them based on that banality of evil. In but races. it sounds like we're going to have to take a break. But it sounds like what you're saying is the healthcare practitioners may not consciously be aware that they are acting in accordance with this plan to lower the world population. But they are so trained out of critical thinking that, well, the protocol is give this drug and this drug and that ventilator, and I will just be a soldier exterminating these people who are excess fat on our society. And I'll just do it. And I'm not even going to use my brain to think about these protocols and that they're actually assassination protocols. This, you this is you summarized it. You summarized it perfectly. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be back in a moment. Are you a business looking to expand across the USA? Ask Dr. Love reaches millions of terrestrial radio listeners, offering you a unique opportunity to reach out to almost every adult listening group as everyone is concerned about their relationships. There is no other relationship advice show broadcast anywhere else in the USA. By advertising on Ask Dr. Love, your company can reach an audience that no other show touches. 
Visit AskDrLove.com and fill out the contact form to get in on this tremendous opportunity. Fill out the contact form at AskDrLove.com right now and get all the details. Will it be your company that gets to take advantage and grow your business? If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 877-941-4731. That's 877-941-4731. Again, 877-941-4731. Imagine, this is your money, and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. Guess what? They want your money, and they can take it, all of it if they want. So what do you do? You fight back by letting our team of experts work it out with the IRS so you can keep your money. Call right now and learn for free how we can help you put it back in your pocket. Five minutes of your time can save you thousands of dollars. So please call right now. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If your heart is still hurting over the bodily loss of your loved one, the reason is simple. We're not meant to be separated from those we love, and reconnecting is the only way to end the grief. But reconnecting and staying connected requires guidance. As a gift to her listeners, Dr. Turndorf is offering a limited number of discounted grief relief sessions to help you reestablish a relationship with loved ones in spirit and resolve any unfinished issues. If you're ready to experience the healing and joy of reconnecting, visit drjamieturndorf.com slash griefrelief to schedule your session. But don't wait. Space is limited. Visit drjamieturndorf.com slash griefrelief to find out more. And now, back to Dr. Turndorf. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf talking with Scott Shara about the murder of his daughter while she was in hospital for COVID. So before we took the break, we were talking about how it's possible to get healthcare providers to be assassins, foot soldiers for the, you know, this larger agenda of depopulation. Was there more you wanted to say about this? I do. And there's two things. I want to give a perspective as to the bias that is happens when somebody goes into the hospital because people don't realize this. Most people aren't getting the records. And the I just want to share one record. This was from the doctor who is the COVID expert at the hospital Grace was murdered at. And his every doctor is required to write a report when they go into the room. So his report from Grace's first day in the hospital, which was October 7th, he referenced the fact that Grace had Down syndrome four times in one report. 
He referenced the fact that we're Christian twice. He referenced the fact that we are following the frontline doctor's misinformation campaign twice. And he referenced that Grace was not vaccinated twice. In fact, uh, really, relative to not being vaccinated, he wrote, unfortunately, I think the patient probably would not be here if she'd been fully vaccinated. So that bias is, is real. You know, they, these are human beings that have a bias just like you and I have a bias. And so we, we have a belief, and this is the main take-home message. If we don't change our belief as to what's happening, you're going to be the next one. And that's the way we need to approach it. The old way of thinking as an advocate so I went in the hospital as Grace's advocate, and my thought was, I'm just going to be there for my buddy. You know, it's lonely in the hospital. You can play games or watch movies, whatever. You're you're just really not there to uh, stand guard. You're there to just be a, a friend and, you know, give comfort. Well, the reality is, if you have that attitude towards advocacy, your loved one is going to be taken advantage of. And I mean, they killed Grace while we were there. So think through what they're doing if you're not there. You have to be on guard. You have to have your guard up. Uh, so anyway, back to what we were talking about with the banality of evil. So yes, I do think most of the healthcare professionals, I don't think they're in on this, this um, uh, satanic agenda to take the population down. I don't think they're in on that at all. Maybe a few of them understand that and they're willful participants, but I, I don't see it that way. You know, they're, they were told to take the jab or they're going to lose their jobs. They're told to follow these protocols or you're going to lose your jobs. So on the fear of losing their job and they have mortgages too, they're following protocols. That, by the way, does not give them an excuse. The Nuremberg trials... Are, you know, if those happen again, which I believe would be a, a logical conclusion to all of this, uh, what what they one of the conclusions of those trials was that the you can't use the excuse that I was only following orders, and you know one of the examples I I will share is is the Milgram obedience experiment. And because people, you can't, you still can't wrap your head around that this can happen, but it did happen. It happened to my daughter, Grace. It's happened before in Nazi Germany. And the Milgram obedience experiment really shows. You were the, just, I was just about to ask you about, isn't this like the Milgram? Oh, really? Yeah. Just I, I, in the 1960s, this feels to me like the Milgram obedience experiments from the 60s maybe people watching are not familiar with this reference well i'll i'll explain it but we have there's a 5 minute link to that experiment on grace's website i encourage i'd encourage people to watch it but it was done in 1963 59 years ago by stanley milgram again he couldn't wrap his head around this how can people even do this so he set up an experiment with 20 participants who had, you know, they were just asked to participate in a randomized experiment. They did not know the other 20 people were actors and the actors were hooked up to electrical leads and they were fake electrical leads. So nobody got hurt, but the participants didn't know that. Then there was an instructor. And as the actors answered questions incorrectly, the instructor told the participant to give the actor a jolt, an electrical jolt. And if the actor answered six questions in a row incorrectly, the jolts would increase in intensity. And the last jolt, six questions wrong, it would kill the actor. 
So it was enough of a jolt to kill the actor. And two-thirds of the participants did that just because they were instructed to do so. And that was 59 years ago when the moral fabric of our country was still, was still based on Christian principles. Now it's not at all. Exactly, exactly. And so here I'm actually murdering you because you're instructing me to do so. And that is what's happening right now. Right it is now. literally happening right now. And I am doing the best I can to sound the alarm. It is, um, I own a business. I turn the business over to my to my guys to run because this takes full time. I've been, uh, yeah, it's it's exhaustive. But I mean, I my daughter Grace is is saving people's life through through the fire that uh, that got lit under me to share this story. Yes, that she was really and is a sacrificial lamb. She is such a little angel of love that she was willing to be exterminated in this way for the greater good. And Grace, I can very much feel her her soul essence coming through right now. I always know when that's the case when there are uh, tears that come to me. And she is such a sweetheart. She's actually showing me. Would you like me to say what I see her showing me? Sure. She's showing me that she's wiping your tears. Don't cry, Daddy. She it it really breaks her heart. Well, she had uh, she had a love for the Lord that was different than than uh, yes. people can understand. She called is- me. She called me earthly dad. Yes, earthly dad, because she knows and always knew she wasn't fully of the earth. She's always been an angel, just an earth angel. She wasn't meant to be in a body for very long. This was her mission, to work with you. This was her calling to have you join in this fight. Let's take a break. We'll be back in a moment. Are you a business looking to expand across the USA? Ask Dr. Love reaches millions of terrestrial radio listeners, offering you a unique opportunity to reach out to almost every adult listening group as everyone is concerned about their relationships. There is no other relationship advice show broadcast anywhere else in the USA. By advertising on Ask Dr. Love, your company can reach an audience that no other show touches. Visit AskDrLove.com and fill out the contact form to get in on this tremendous opportunity. Fill out the contact form at AskDrLove.com right now and get all the details. Will it be your company that gets to take advantage and grow your business? If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. 
Call 877-941-4731. That's 877-941-4731. Again, 877-941-4731. Imagine, this is your money, and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. Guess what? They want your money, and they can take it. All of it if they want. So what do you do? You fight back by letting our team of experts work it out with the IRS so you can keep your money. Call right now and learn for free how we can help you put it back in your pocket. Five minutes of your time can save you thousands of dollars. So please call right now. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If your heart is still hurting over the bodily loss of your loved one, the reason is simple. We're not meant to be separated from those we love, and reconnecting is the only way to end the grief. But reconnecting and staying connected requires guidance. As a gift to her listeners, Dr. Turndorf is offering a limited number of discounted grief relief sessions to help you reestablish a relationship with loved ones in spirit and resolve any unfinished issues. If you're ready to experience the healing and joy of reconnecting, visit drjamieturndorf.com slash griefrelief to schedule your session. But don't wait. Space is limited. Visit drjamieturndorf.com slash griefrelief to find out more. And now, back to Dr. Turndorf. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf talking with Scott Shara about the intentional murder of his beautiful, amazing grace, his daughter. So, Scott, I wanted to ask you, do you sometimes feel you're preaching to the choir? The people who are open to new information, the people who are not walking around, you know, just completely brainwashed, they'll hear what you have to say. But sometimes don't you despair at being able to reach people who are so literally brainwashed by the mainstream mainstream propaganda that you just can't get through to these people, the majority. Are, are you experiencing this? Yeah, the timing of your question is fantastic because this is literally what I've been processing. I've done about 300 interviews now, and you wonder, are we making a difference? So certainly that we are making a difference. I mean, I had a lady come up to me and when I was speaking in Utah two weeks ago, and she said, I heard Grace's story early on in February, and a friend of mine went into the hospital. I was able to get him out, and um, I have a Zoom call with a, a local family tomorrow that saw, we have billboards up, and they saw the billboards, and um, so, I mean, you're making, you know, so we see that we're making a difference, but I, I have been uh, wondering about how do we make a bigger impact on the the majority of the population that is not at all woken up. And so that's, uh, I was planning on uh, taking some time with my wife the first week in November and just taking a few days and figure out where do we go from here? Are we going to start working on legislation? What do we do? Because it, it, um, it does, it, it gets to that point, just what you said in your question. And uh, so I've been wondering about that. Thank you for asking. Yeah, what what it's it's heartbreaking. It's just so heartbreaking and that there's such a feeling of impotence, you know, just incredible impotence, but I really admire you pushing back against these incredible forces that just seem to be crushing us. 
and I want people to find know how they can find out more. I'd also like you to talk to, you know, we have your website, ouramazinggrace.net, your Facebook page, Facebook slash Our Amazing Grace, Substack, ouramazinggrace.substack.com. You have a newsletter on Substack, ouramazinggrace.substack.com. All these URLs will be on your show page at askdrlove.com. They're there, and the page will never come down. So you can always send people there. Your show recordings, the radio and the TV show will be there. So you can always uh, point people to your show page. I sent you the URL to your dedicated show page. You also are doing a new podcast, you said, on Telegram. Yes, so that will be starting. Um, I just booked my first guest, so we've still got to coordinate a few things, but it should be November 1st. I talked with Mickey Willis, who's going to be my first guest. And so Mickey did the Plandemic series, and uh, most people are aware of him, but the the topic or the theme is going to be deprogramming. So it's called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad. And the reason for that topic is because that's what I've had to go through, and I still am going through it, is how do you take a fresh look at the world and drill down? Why do I believe what I believe? Why do I trust the white coat as we apply it to Grace's situation? But Absolutely. this applies to all kinds of things that we have been programmed to believe. And I want to take it guest by guest, topic by topic, and yes. start and drill down some things. To you know what? I'm happy. I'm happy also to come on your show because I would like to help people realize we've been programmed to believe that our loved ones actually die when in fact they're right here all around us in the dark matter. And if you want me to talk to you about how all the people who are grieving their lost loved ones, those who have been murdered through various means, including our loved ones who have left their bodies from COVID, we can reconnect to them. And to me, that is the only way to heal our grief, to reconnect, stay connected. I, I could talk to you for a long, long time. My door is always open to you and you are welcome back anytime. Well, thank you, Jamie. This was really nice for you to have me on your program. I appreciate it very much. See you very soon. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye. Send me love. Bye. You've been listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. Sign up for Dr. Jamie's newsletter at askdrlove.com and receive her meditation audio that will guide you to open your heart and chill out during these stressful times. 